Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. The Premier View Tipperary GAA podcast has just got its very first sponsor. The podcast is now proudly sponsored by Merch Monster. On MerchMonster.ie, you can buy personalised hoodies, t-shirts, polo shirts, personalised snood face coverings, and a whole lot more. They've even got a product personaliser over on their website. Go over there and check it out now. They deal in one-off orders and also in bulk orders, class hoodies, team and work polo shirts, and everything else in between. Go over there and check them out now. It's MerchMonster. Now let's get back to this week's show. Hello and welcome to episode 41 of the Premier View Tipperary GA podcast. My name is Michael McCarthy and we have a full lineup for you today. Myself and Marissa preview Tip vs Cork in the National Hurling League with Jamie Wall. Noel Dundon reviews this week's GA coverage in the Tipperary Star. But first, I sit down with Anthony Shelley to look at Tip's first football league game versus Limerick. Okay, similar to the first round of the National Hurling League, the footballers take to the field for their first game next Saturday. They are away to Limerick in the Gaelic grounds, 5pm on Saturday. I'm joined by PRO of the Tipperary Football Board, Anthony Shelley. You're welcome to the Premier View. Thanks, Mike. So, um, Anthony, as I said in the introduction there, we're off to Limerick on Saturday evening. Uh, Limerick is a team that we seem to struggle with and have done historically in the past. They came up from Division 4 last year, gave us an awful fright in the Munster Championship last year. Um, are we going to expect a, a battle again this weekend? I think so, Mike. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a game that both teams would prefer if they had a game or two under their belt before they actually meet each other, you know? Yeah. And um, Limerick, as you were saying, they've had a number underage now for quite a few years. And 
Um, but the old primary or the old Limerick won't, won't fear tip anyway, that's sure. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a tricky game. Um, 2019, they, they beat us by seven or eight points, like, you know, um, in Central Stadium in the championship, um, which was a huge win for them, but um, we probably went into that a, a little bit, a little bit cocky at Sermon, a little bit underdone. We were, we were looking ahead, but uh, they followed it up last year and it took Conor Sweeney, Morris, Morris Fitzgerald point to, to pull it out of the bag the last minute and then we went into as they call it compulsory overtime and um it was never talk until Brian Brian Fox stepped up at the end with an unbelievable winner where he carried it I suppose 50 yards and had composure to put it over to get us into to get us into the Munster finals. So um big strong team you know what you're going to get from them they're they set up very defensively to get a lot of men behind the ball try to turn you over and break quickly. Um, and we'll just have to be patient. Uh, I felt in in the game last year, we were getting t- turned over too easy because we were carrying the ball into trouble. We hesitated. We never had a man coming off the shoulder. We we hesitated. We didn't take the shot and was on. We're always looking for the extra pass, you know. And with a, with a blanket defence, really only have two options. You go over them or you go around them, you know. Yeah. Um, Jack Kendi probably not going to be available for this game. Um, we'll miss these long range points, you know, and that takes the that takes one of the options of going over them um, out of it. So we just have to be patient, not commit too many for too many men forward, and um, when the opportunity arises that we don't. Try to take the extra over elaboration, take the extra the extra pass, just pop it over when it's there. And you know, we also have to be tight at the back, which I thought we were we weren't last year. We committed too many men forward. So it's going to take a disciplined performance all around. It's not a game that I would be overly confident of. You know, we should be winning it, but uh, um, I wouldn't um, I wouldn't be putting the house in it, as I said. Yeah, so just just looking forward, I suppose the the team we were, I suppose, pretty settled through a lot of the championship last year. Um, Colin O'Reardon obviously came into it. now. He didn't play against Limerick the first day. He was back for the Munster final, but he, he he's obviously not available. Liam Casey's not available, and the great Philip Austin has retired. So mm-hmm. is there anyone that that comes to mind? Uh, the panel was announced yesterday. There's a couple of new faces on it. Is there anyone that comes to mind? That, that could step into that panel. Um, we spoke on the podcast uh, there a couple of weeks ago that Sweeney probably needs a lot more help on the scoring side of things um, that, that we're you know, uh, reliant on him, you know. Um, yeah. Is there anyone that, 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 that you could see putting their hand well, up and grabbing a start spot? There's a few, and I think probably one that will definitely put his hand up this year would be Paddy Fien. Um He's been he's been there for a year or two now, coming on as sub. But uh, with spaces becoming available, I would expect Paddy to put his hand up and grab maybe the, the wing back spot there for for the season. He's a good player. He's tenacious. He's committed. Uh, he's good on the ball. You know, he's everything that that you want. So um, yeah, Paddy Paddy definitely put his hand up. 
A few others there too in the back line that you know have been there that were there last year, Tony Fitzgerald, Jack Harney. Jack Harney in particular is a guy that I like. Um probably underrated player, I would say, you know. And I expect to see him definitely get game time in the league. Uh he's tenacious, he's hard in the tackle, he's good. Uh Dara Brennan obviously will will push hard for a for a spot on the wing in the half back line as well. Dara's been on and off there for the last couple of years. Um any injury to, to Kevin Fahey would look like the obvious replacement there, um, or even even at wing back as well. Uh, I suppose the most I catch in it a lot, uh, the one that the most talk will be about is uh, our Dublin import, Philip Ryan. Um, I think, yeah, might as well. We're not breaking any rules by bringing him in. So uh, he's family are very much a Tipperary family, like uh, they'd be from originally from Creaney up near Kilcommon. His uncle yeah. Dinny would have been on the All Ireland winning team of 71, I think it was. Um, I think he got it he got what ultimately turned out to be the winning goal in that. Um, he's uh, he's other uncle Matty, I suppose is more famous for serving as a county councillor in Tipperary for the balls of 25 years. So yeah. I, they're all cools, as they're called. Yeah. They have a long history. Yeah, obviously, I was going to get to Philip. He, that, that was a, probably a name that, that took a lot of people by surprise when the panel mm. announced yesterday. Um, what, what is his back? He's obviously been on the, tip, the Dublin Yeah, yeah he, played, he, played, he played senior football with St. Bridges. He's been on the, probably was the star of the number 21 All-Ireland winning team uh, back around 2012, I think it was, or 2013. I think he got 2-4, 2-5 in the semi-final that year, you know, and that got him promoted for 2014 and 15. He he was on the panel, he was on the extended panel, he was a sub, he was getting games and league games and stuff like that, like, you know. Um, I think it was in 2015, he was actually in the, the All-Ireland semi-final, he was ready to come on uh, as a sub in that game, togged out, ready to go, uh, the numbers written up, the whole lot, and there was an injury in the back line, so they had to change a tactic. And uh, he wasn't brought on in that. And then lost out, maybe to a bit of nepotism or whatever, and lost out lost out his place in the panel to Cormac Costello for the final. So, yeah. um, you know, uh, and then he stepped away from it and that. And I know that, you know, lads are saying Paddy Christie might, might have been involved, but I know David has been chasing him for, for a while. Uh, and he decided, you know, he's working from home, work was allowing it this year, you know. Uh, just the way his situation is. Uh, and he said, he, yeah, he'd give it a go. So, um, yeah, no, it so, sounds like a very exciting addition to, to the And he will be, you were talking about, a, like, if you know the Dublin as a scorer, you know, a sweet left foot. Um, you know, I even see Bernard Brogan tweeting last night that he's a fine player, like, in a good addition to Pip. So, yeah, that's probably good enough for me, you know. Yeah, another another name that sticks out to me, and he's obviously a very young man, is Teddy Creedon. Um, he, he had a, a great underage career. Uh, I've seen him play both hurling and football, and and has been, and is excellent at both. He's on the panel. He's just, I suppose, out of his 18th year. He's 19, I think, this year. He he's another guy. He's a big, strong guy, and and the the training with the seniors will will certainly help his development. Yeah, I think in Paddy's case is only 19 years of age. It might take him a year or two to actually get up to the pace of senior. He, has a, he was an excellent underage, underage player. But, um, you know, 
I suppose the advantage, his strength underage was his strength, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. That, um, but now at senior level, the lads will be as strong as him. So he, he probably needs a, a year or two. It's, uh, I don't know if we see too much of Paddy this year. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's definitely one for the future. He's only 19 years of age. Yeah. Uh, year or two in there training with them. You know, his lack of club football uh, uh, the only the only football he's going to get really is, is in with tip, you know. And uh, lack of club football might be a hindrance going forward, you know. Um, yeah. and what's what's his position then? I think and then Sean O'Connor possibly is in the same boat is that with the twenties. The twenties are, are back training this week. Um, as well with, under the same management but that new rule that came in will that will being part of the senior panel rule them out of the 20s or do you actually have to play championships I think you have to play I, I'm not 100% sure but I think before you actually have to play you know? yeah so like they, they, they'd be huge additions to the 20s and another name that, that's I suppose it, it's one that, that you people might recognise is Kuba Bebben who was from your own club and has been the 20 keeper, I think, for the last two years and was yeah. for, for the Brackens there for the last last couple of years. He, he's a, a fine keeper. I've seen him in action too. So he, he will put it up to Evan and, and, and Michael O'Reilly for, for the backup spot, especially. Uh, Kuba is top class. You know, technically, he's, uh, he's probably one of the better keepers that we have in there. Technically, like he, he is really top class. Where Kuba... Um, a bit like Paddy will probably need a little bit more experience. Uh, he wouldn't have a lot of GA played. He was under red soccer with Limerick and stuff like that. So he's, um, you know, you can nearly count on two hands the amount of GA games Kuba has played. Yeah. But I would see him pushing hard for the bench this year. But, you know, next year I'd say the two boys, uh, Evan and Michael, be looking over their shoulder at him. Uh, he's, he's, he's top class, you know. Yeah. Very good. So yeah, look, look. There's a good strong pan in yeah, there. Obviously. Yeah, Conor Bow there as well. Don't forget now, Conor Bow is a guy that I would imagine will see game time during the league. He's a good, direct, excellent young player. Yeah. Uh, he, you know, he, he's he's already physically re- ready for it, like you know, and um, works hard. Not afraid. Very, very direct. Not afraid to have a shot. Uh, which you know, I I'd say you'll see game time in him in the league as well. Like, you know. Very good. Uh, so ju- just on, on the league, we're we're in Division Three South. Um, what what is the 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 goal for the league? Do you think for for David and and the panel is it to consolidate in Division Three? Because uh, or is it promote is promotion the goal? Oh God, I'd say promotion would have to be the goal. You know, particularly the way the the way like the league is set up this year with North and South. You know. Um, to my mind, I would say that the northern half of the draw is the tougher half. Who's uh, there? Cavan and Derry and Fermanagh and Longford. Mm-hmm. You no. Know, uh, if, if Tip have any ambitions going forward, you know, they would have to be looking at finishing in the top two in a group with Limerick, who are just up from Division 4, Wicklow up from Division 4, and and awfully. Now, all tricky games, funny enough, all tricky games. In the, we spoke about Limerick and how they, they have had our measure. And, you know, they're quickly becoming our bogey team, like, you know, yeah. uh, in football. But Wicklow are coming into it. I don't know a whole pile about them. But they, I mean, they topped Division 4 last year 
um, with the same number of points as as, um, as Limerick, uh, far superior score difference. Uh, I think um, Limerick finished on a zero score difference, where Wicklow finished on a plus thirty nine. Um, they have Davy Burke from Kildare is is managing them. Uh, he's he's in thirty two or thirty three, but you know already he has a CV behind him that um, you know he was over Kildare under twenties for one year. Uh, they win the All Ireland. He was over his own club, Sarsfields, for a year. They won the county final, and he was one year with Wicklow, and he hasn't promoted. So yeah. <laughs> there is one more quantity. I, I'd be glad that we have them at home. Uh, you know, in Horace, you say you should be beating them because there is a big step up from Division Four to Division Three. But uh, you know, to, to me, to come in as an unknown quantity and potential banana banana skin. Um, and the same with Offaly under John Mahon there. The, you know, they took us to the wire last year in the league as well. Like, you know, you'd be glad, like we, we won by three or four points in the end, but they're well organised, um, probably a bit weak at the back, but they're good forwards. And uh, we're, we're away to them in the last game. And it might be a game you need to win to, to secure your place in the top two. Um, and... Oh, what's that? That's 70% of the league games are won by the home team or very close to it anyway. Two of our three games are away. So, you know, while I'd be very disappointed if we didn't finish in the top two and get a uh, and get a semi-final spot, I'm not even sure there will be a league final this year. Um, I'd say one, they might call a halt to it once they have the promotion sorted, promotion and relegation sorted. Yeah. What, what, how, how does one get promoted out of Division 3 then this year? Is it well, Yeah, you finish in the top two, close to the semi-finals. So if you finish top of your group in the south, you'll play second place from the north in the semi-final. And if you finish second, obviously, you'll, you'll, um, mm-hmm. you'll finish top. Or you'll play, play top from the north, and then it'll go on to a league final. But the two teams in the league final will be, will be actually promoted. So the two um, teams in the league There's final. relegation in it as well, you know. Which, yeah. Uh, same thing, no, just in reverse. Uh, um, you really need to be winning. There's not much room for mess up. Like you need to be winning your three games and not dependent on other results. Uh, and we we have a lot to we have a lot to work on. That, you know, um, I would see kickouts for us has been absolutely huge this year. You know, um, I think everyone would agree we're a far better team when we're on the ball than when we don't have the ball. Like you know. Yeah. Uh, and we're driving forward on the ball. You know, we were nearly called the saviors of Gaelic football there a couple of years ago under Liam Kern. But that's what we're good at. Yeah. Um, if you take last year our kickouts, and, and not just last year, for a couple of years now, kickouts have been overcomplicated, very predictable. And we're losing too, too high a percentage of them. Like, you know, I mean, I think it was in the Limerick game last year, wasn't it? Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Limerick game last year, like there was 43 kickouts in the game, and we, you know, that's potentially 43 opportunities to score, you know, and, and we only won 17 of them, you know. Um, and that's what put us in trouble straight away. You're on the back foot all the time, you're giving, you're presenting opportunities for the other for the other team to do it. Uh, we need to speed up the kickout, would be one thing I would be looking for this year, you know, every kickout seems to be a performance. And, um, so you know, unstructured kickouts, get the ball out to the twenty-one quick. There's a lad on, give it to him, and away we go. You know, yeah. but uh, 
and yeah. get after the opposition kick out as well. Uh, but if we don't do that, we're going to struggle. Uh, we, are, we are going to struggle to, to get out of Division 3. Something that both on our own kick out where, you know, control the controllables, you can control that, you know. Get after the opposition kick out. If we break 50 50 against these three teams on kickouts and have that amount of possession, you know, we could be okay. But if we don't, we're going to make it hard for ourselves. Yeah. And do you alluded to the fact that maybe we were a bit open at the back last year? Um, and as you said, we're, we're probably a lot better on the ball than we are without the ball. But mm-hmm. do you expect to see more, uh, I suppose, Paddy Christie? Is in. He, he's a defender by trade. Would you expect to see more of a Paddy Christie influence on our game plan, or is our game plan get on the ball and drive forward? I think our game plan we get on the ball and drive forward. I mean, we're already pulling back somebody. You know, it's generally Bryce Hawks generally does that mm-hmm. all. I expect Brian to be doing it again this year. You know, uh, and that that would be it. But um, no, it's. I don't think we're going. We're just sort of team that's going to win too many of the 50-50 battles. So we've got to try cut to supply from say in the Limerick case from the Limerick midfield into their forward line. Right? So you've got to put the pressure on there. So I'd like to see us applying when we don't have the ball, applying the pressure higher up the field rather than trying to get everybody back behind the ball. Like so um, I wouldn't like to see us going back to 12 men behind the ball. I think we, we need four forwards up at all times, you know. Yeah, and just, uh, I suppose, before we finish up, looking far, further into the year, um, by virtue of, of winning that Munster final back in, in November, uh, we're, we're automatically in the semi-final, and that pits us against the winners of Kerry and Clare. Um, how, how, what was your initial reaction when, when that draw was made? You know... You were always going to get Kerry or Cork, and I suppose, you know, Cork will be delighted that they've avoided us and Kerry. So, um, they, um, you would presume that we're going to be playing Kerry. You know, you, you would declare a good team, but you would presume to be, going to, to be playing Kerry. I suppose this year is different, that we're going in as monster champions, you know. For years there, you'd nearly be apologising for turning up in the same field as Kerry, you know. But this year, um, we'll be um, we'll be going in as monster champions, which will be unusual for us. And, um, it'll be it'll be interesting, and I think that the challenge for us this year is nearly mental rather than, than anything else. Like, I mean, it's very easy to sit back as a Tipperary footballer. Also, has never thought that we'd ever see us win a monster final. The monster final was the holy grail, like you know, and. Uh, it, the thing is, are you happy with that? Is that going to be it, or do you want to you want to move forward? If you want to move forward. Well, you've got to you've got to um, do two things this year. One is get promotion from Division Three, and if you do that, then you can go into that Kerry game as confidence that you're now a Division Two side, but also monster champions as a Division Two. It it'll be a tall ask, no doubt about it, um, but. Not an impossible one, not an impossible one, but, you know, I suppose the bookmakers, those connoisseurs of reality will have, will have Kerry as strong, strong favourites, uh, and, and rightly so, but, I mean, it wouldn't be the biggest surprise ever that, that if we did turn them over, albeit a big surprise, not the biggest surprise ever, it wouldn't be the surprise that it would have been five years ago, say. So. Yeah. 
No, that's uh, that's perfect. So the game is on. Uh, our first game of the season is five pm in Gaelic grounds uh, this Saturday, fifteenth. And uh, Anthony, you might come back to us in a, in a week's time. Uh, we might have a look back on the game. And thanks for coming on the Premier View. Yeah, no problem, Michael. Thank you. It's Merchmonster.ie. Wednesday is release day for the three local papers in Tip. This week I got to talk to Noel Dundon of TipperaryLive.ie about the GA coverage in this week's Tip Stair. Noel, today's stair came out, or the stair came out today, Wednesday as usual. I'm going to jump in to uh, just inside the back page. You have a report on the paper from, or a report on the match from last weekend against Limerick. Um, you, you say in it about Tip having a real hunger and appetite. Is that something that you see as being different from, from last year? I'm not sure that it's something that you'd see as being different from last year. I mean, you, you, the same hunger was probably there, but I just thought looking at Tip on, on uh, Saturday when they came out on the field uh, before ever a ball was pucked. And, you know, even looking at Liam Sheedy, there was a spring in the step and they were mad to get back. And I think just as the game went on, you could see that that, that desire was really there. I think Tip went down to try and prove a pint to Limerick that they were going to try and stand up to them. Uh, physically and all that, and, and to try and outwork them if they could. Um, and, and that sort of manifests itself in hunger and in desire, you know. Um, and that, that was pretty evident, I thought, on, on Saturday with Tip. But it was, it was definitely driven by the sideline. I mean, Liam Sheedy was really up for that game. You know, you could see it. Yeah, just on, on the bottom of that page, actually, there's a, there's a your quote in Sheedy there. It's a, a game of four quarters. I suppose that brings me to the water break. Tip... Tip obviously didn't start great, but maybe the water break came and, and they had a, a, a better second quarter, and that's Liam Sheedy's words. Um, and then the third quarter, of, as he calls it, was, was another good one for them before Limerick thundered back into it in, in, in the fourth quarter. Is the water break something that, that's going, that we're going to see again having, having an influence on games? I suppose it is. Um, probably this time last year, nobody would have really thought that a water break would have as big an impact on a game um, as it had during la- last season. Certainly uh, teams, teams who, who had started well or just before the break lost momentum a little bit. We saw it time and time again and I don't see a change in this year. I, I think it'll be the same thing that, that uh, it'll break momentum for a team that's moving well at the particular time uh, and the, the, the flip side of that kind is that if a team isn't moving so well it gives them the opportunity to regroup uh, you know, if you had to go to, uh, let's say, half time and the momentum was against you, uh, you could be quite a distance behind if, if scores were going against you by the time half time will come. But with the water break, it gives you that chance just to, to reset and to sort of recalibrate your team and decide what you need to do in order to, to stem that, that uh, flow. Um, so I think, I think, yeah, the water break is going to have a big impact again. Um, is it necessary? I'm not sure. I'm not sure that it is, being honest. Um, like the argument being made last year was that, well, uh, you know, uh, teams are coming back in the height of summer and all that kind of crack with, with at club level, um, and it sort of moved on then into inter county level. But don't know the lead players do they need water as, much, as often as that? Yeah, I, I think probably a lot of it is to, to stop the, the people running onto the field. I suppose that that's what they're they're trying to negate. But it, it does seem a very, I suppose, Americanized thing to have have quarters and and play it in in. 15-minute quarters, uh, so to speak. Um, in, yeah. in, in your report, um, Tipper obviously up 19 points to, to 14 and then emptied the bench, bench bringing on players of the calibre of Keane Lynch, Gerard Hegarty and Peter Casey. 
they needed those guys to come on and bring them back into the game. They did, and I suppose that's an indication of, of, of Limerick's mindset too. They didn't want to lose this game either, you know, particularly in, the, in their own backyard. Um, and they, they, they brought in the big guns. Um, uh, I, I suppose, you know, Peter Casey in particular got two points when he came in, but uh, Keane Lynch got onto a nice, nice bit of ball too around the middle, uh, middle of the field. And, you know, Tipper tiring. You could see that they were visibly tiring. Uh, and we made a few changes ourselves to try and, and, and uh, re-energize that, that sector in particular. Like there was, there was a, um, for maybe a 10-minute maybe a period before the end of the game where uh, any ball that was being cleared out of the tip uh, back line, it was like it was coming off a wall. It was just coming straight back on top of them, you know. And we needed to get guys there who could just get a hand on the ball. And uh, luckily enough, it happened that it was a Mark Yorting got, uh, got a ball and won it free, which actually turned out to be the, the free to put his, put his um, in front with Jason Ford pointing and then Limerick had to come and, and level at the very end. But um, yeah, it was just a thing that, that you could see it in Limerick uh, on the side and you could hear it in the stand, you know, Limerick didn't want to lose this and uh, they were getting <laughs> fairly incensed over some of the refereeing decisions as well mm-hmm. and they were very vocal, you know, but uh, they didn't want to lose it and, and you couldn't blame them. We didn't want to lose it either, you know. Yeah. Um, I suppose, look, we, we, we had good performances from, from Jason Ford, obviously, on the freeze and, and in his general play, Dan McCormick. Probably those two were vying it out for, for man of the match. But you picked out two, two young guys um, there as, as playing very well, Brian O'Mara from Holy Cross and, and Brian McGrath from Lockmore, the youngest of the McGrath brothers. Um, he, had a, he had a difficult start, I suppose, and, and, and probably struggled for a lot of it with Flanagan, who is a who is a great operator, but as you pointed out, it was probably the quality of the ball coming in more so than than Flanagan's play. Were, were you impressed with McGrath over the seventy minutes? Yeah, I thought Brian McGrath had had a lovely game for Tip. To be honest, um, as as you say, it was the quality of the ball coming into Seamus Flanagan that caused him the problem, and that was resulting from the difficulties Tip were having further out the field, where the Limerick um, uh, defenders and and maybe midfield to a certain extent, they were actually able to look up and see what they wanted to do and, and put this brilliant ball across in front of them and no defender would be able to, to deal with it. You know, it's very, very difficult to deal with that kind of quality ball coming in. But once Tipperary sorted that out and once the, the playing field was levelled that little bit, uh, Brian McGrath came into his own. Um, in fact, he, he got out a, num- a number of times. He got out ahead of Seamus Flanagan, was able to read the play and get, got out ahead of him and, and cut off the supply uh, which was really good. It uh, shows a really sort of positive mindset from him, you know, that he wasn't afraid to take the step in front. Um, and I think that's something that we would have seen uh, from him quite often at club level, you know, when we would see him playing with, with uh, Lockmore Castellani in both codes, actually, in both hurling and football. Uh, and also with the, with the tip minors and 21s um, in recent years as well, you know, he's a very, very clever hurler, very, very solid hurler. Um, and he, he, he seems to have developed physically as well. So, you know, I think Brian will have probably an important couple of weeks ahead to see how he's going to continue because um, the Cork Challenge on Saturday night would be a different type of one. There'd be different type of players there. It could be, it could be Pat Horgan. It could, be, it could be anybody, really, with the way the modern game is. So there'd be all different types of challenges for Brian and for the rest of them. And as you mentioned, the other Brian, uh, Brian, Brian McGrath, Brian uh, O'Mara, they spell their names differently. Um, one is B-R-I-A-N and the other is B-R-Y-A-N. Um, the B-R-Y-A-N is unfortunate. Uh, a bad break on the hand, um, it's going to cost him between four and six weeks. Uh, and again, I thought Brian uh, had a lovely game for tip. I thought he was 
he was um, a, a very, very strong presence in the half back line there. Um, again, has developed physically. These guys have have uh, undertaken phenomenal work during the lockdown. That that's pretty obvious, you know. Um, uh, it's a pity for him, but I, I just kind of get the feeling that um, he has probably done maybe done enough even to to put himself into a sort of championship reckoning. Right, he's going to miss out on the rest of the league games, but you'll find that when it comes to the internal. Uh, games that they, that they'll play and Brian will be able to partake in those later on. That that uh, he'll be he'll be right up there, I think. You know. Yeah, and and defenders is probably something that that we we probably need. I mean, with, with the retirement of Sean O'Brien, there's a cornerback spot probably up for for grabs. Again, I suppose just going back to what everyone else is saying about Paddy Maher is the wrong side of thirty, and that's the position that Brian O'Mara probably feels most comfortable in is is that number seven shirt. And he looked like a, a ready-made replacement, um, especially with the way he was developing. So we wish him all the best in, in, in his recovery and hope to see him in the in the championship. On the same page, then Noel, the view um, there it speaks about do Tip have the belief to um, to compete with Limerick? Uh, was in championship and also points out that the attitude was right as you already alluded to there um, earlier on so do you think tip have that belief or did we ever not have that belief and it just weren't good enough last year yeah i suppose when you talk about belief um i think the belief would always have been there within the panel it has more to do maybe with the the county rather than the, the actual panel of players you know and even you know uh, gerald grady former tip captain alluded to, th- to that uh, during last week in the run-up to the Limerick game, uh, he, he, he said in an interview that he, he wasn't too impressed with the kind of vibes that were coming from around the county from uh, supporters and that. So I think I think um, the belief would, would always be there within the panel, or a certain amount of it anyway. And when you're getting positive results and positive performances, um, that belief grows and grows. Uh, any team that Liam Sheedy would be over, I think he would be instilling them with confidence. Um, and Eamon O'Shea as well and you know to be fair Darry Egan and, and Owen Kelly too but I suppose the two boys get the, the lion's share of the credit when it comes to these things but you know they will be instilling that team with, with belief and really you know you kind of say to yourself uh, do we really need to instill a team uh, with belief a team that have won the All-Ireland just two years ago you know um, they showed what they could do then right as you say the years have moved on for a few guys but there's plenty of plenty of talent coming through behind you know um, so I think the belief is there in the panel and it's probably a case of, of of the county getting behind them again now. Everybody is saying Limerick are awesome and Limerick are, are this and they're going to be very difficult to beat and all that type of thing, you know. But uh, there's a few other a few other uh, counties in this championship besides Limerick too, you know, yeah. that uh, <laughs> they'll be believing as well, you know. Yeah, uh, just, just on, on Sheedy, obviously Sheedy leads from the front and, and always has... Do you think he was stung, I suppose, a little bit last year by by some of the criticism that came Tip's way? And is that why he is so animated? Or, or is that just his his way anyway? Uh, possibly a little bit of both. Uh, you know, it's it's probably his way. You know, he's 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 a driven man. And, he, and uh, when he's on the sideline, he certainly wants to drive the team on and all that. Uh, the criticism of last year, you know, I, I'd, I'd be giving him a pass on last year, really, with the way things worked out. Like the the, um, the 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 club championship took an enormous amount out of players, and in particular the the guys who went all the way to the county championship, and in particular Lockmore Castellani with the the McGraths and John Maher, you know, being in both uh, county finals and and 
was it 13 weeks or something they went uh, weekends uh, on the trot, yeah. weekends playing yeah. games that, that's that's a huge that takes a huge toll mental and physical and then to lose the two of them as well you know which was a, a real downer for them but um, you know I, I think like it was a very very difficult year last year uh, I also kind of felt from very early in the year once we knew what the structure was going to be um, I always felt that Tipperary might struggle uh, and it's not been a as I felt this is a profit in hindsight I wrote it early on in the year I thought that we might struggle with the winter conditions that, that we would much prefer um, summertime uh, conditions you know now other counties would as well there's no doubt about that but uh, with the kind of game that, that we play in Tipperary we probably would have preferred um, and God almighty when you saw the day that Tip played Limerick down in Corky Cueve oh sure it was a monsoon you know sure. um, yeah so like I, you know I think we have a lot going for us this year um, and I, I would hope that the, the, the confidence levels will be sky high by the time championship comes around and that will only happen by uh, positive performances in the league doesn't necessarily mean you have to win all your league matches because you're going to be trying out players and that too and you have to give guys a chance to see what they'll do but uh, there's a there's a, a difference between uh, losing a game um, or a difference between winning a game and, and getting a positive result yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? no, no, absolutely performance is, is a lot to do with, yeah. with, with yeah. Ireland, Ireland and football in the league so just the back page then of the, the star is looking forward to this weekend so there's three tip teams out we have Cork uh, as you say on the double with um, yeah. the Camogie at half or at two o'clock on Saturday uh, we play Cork in Hurland at half seven on Saturday and we have foot, uh, football against Limerick in the Gaelic grounds at five o'clock uh, within that piece, uh, Sheedy again uh, compliments the, the the physical condition of the players. They obviously put in a lot of work over the over the lockdown. Yeah, and it'll be the same as well for the footballers and for the for the uh, Camogie girls as well. You know, um, uh, you'll really be showing up now um, at this level, at the elite level, uh, and you know, at club level too. Actually, uh, you'll really be showing up if you haven't uh, been doing the work. Um, and uh, in Tipperary, they certainly did. I mean, all of the players had their own individual programs, um, and they were being monitored uh, every step of the way. They were all wearing these uh, GPS uh, tracker vests, which which showed exactly uh, what stats they were hitting and all that. So, I mean, uh, <laughs> you can't really hide yeah. unless you put it on somebody else, you put know. On the dog and <laughs> let him run around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know. Um, so, like, they, you know, they have the, the players have really, really worked hard um, to get to this stage. Now, you know, you'll probably see on, on, on uh, Saturday afternoon with the football that, that, you know, guys will be a little bit rusty because they won't have had um, uh, too much football. They maybe have had about two weeks of actual uh, uh, football games and training and all that. And the same with the Camogie girls as well, you know. Very difficult to go and play a game when you've only had a fortnight of of collective training or whatever, but that's the situation for every county at the moment. So, just like last Saturday, you'll you'll make allowances for any little bit of rustiness that might be there. Yeah, uh, same page. Uh, you you speak to Connor Sweeney um, there, he, and he he points out that Tip will have a target on their back this year after winning the first monster title in eighty five years, and he, he talks about building momentum through through the league. Is prom- promotion a goal? Do you think for the, for the footballers? Um, for this league or is as Connor says building momentum and just getting the performances and, and getting guys to peak for, for championship 
but they probably go hand in glove, I suppose, really, you know. Um, promotion, I think, has to be a name uh, for them uh, because they are the immediate games in front of them right now, you know. Um, and obviously, if you can if you can gain promotion or or, or win uh, a significant portion of your games, well, then you're putting yourself in in, in a, a very positive place uh, for championship, whoever they'll meet. Uh, you know, Claire Kerry, we suspect it would be Kerry, but you never know. Uh, so you have to be right mentally for 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 the challenge, no matter who it is. Um, but like, I think I think uh, David Power and the management team and the players will have looked at last year, and they'll have seen how um, the momentum gained after the lockdown ended, uh, with those league games leading into championship. That definitely helped them. You know, they went on a run of wins, uh, which culminated in winning the the monster championship, as you say, for the first time in eighty five years. That, that gives a lot of confidence and, you know, uh, winning is, is a habit and if you can get into it, it's great to be able to, to it's great to help you to, to create that belief in yourself and in, your, in the, the guys that are standing up beside you as well. So I, I think it's, it's probably a little bit of both on what you're saying. Uh, they'll want to create that momentum and in creating that momentum, the hope will be that, that they would end up in Division 2 next year. Yeah, I think that that obviously is the goal. As I said earlier, there's quite a lot of GA coverage in in the paper this week, starting at at page 58, uh, going right through to 64. On, on page 61, you're talking to to David Power, or, or there, there's an interview with David Power, and he also talks about the strength and conditioning work that went into the players over over lockdown, um, and then he also speaks about respecting the government guidelines now i don't know is that a <laughs> maybe a, a dart at, at some counties that that didn't um, respect the government guidelines but it, it was obviously very hard especially for players that want to play at, at an elite level and, and our players are playing at that level but to not be able to train collectively over it must have been very hard for them um just working on their own through through zoom um and on on gbs plans and stuff like that yeah it had to be and 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 like uh, you know, any, anybody, anybody who has been doing it for the last year, year and a half or, you know, 18 months or thereabouts on and off because of the different breaks, um, you know, they'll tell you that, that it can be soul destroying going out on your own and trying to, to uh, uh, run, basically, uh, and, and do your gym sessions, get those in, you're doing, doing them on your own. And you don't, you'd, often you don't have um, uh, somebody to, beside you to drive you on. Uh, or to measure yourself against, you know. Now, they were able to go in, in smaller groups at, at one stage where, you know, maybe a couple of lads could get together and just train together just for company, um, and, and that was fine. But there's nothing like being in the panel and being in, being in, in camp with the group because that's, that's where you really... Uh, well, well, look, you're having a bit of crack as well, let's, let's, let's face it. You're having a bit of crack and a bit of fun. There's a bit of banter going on and... and um, Ultimately, I suppose that's why everybody plays the game is for that little bit of fun or whatever. But, I, you know, you'd have to say hats off to all the players across the country, um, club and county players, because it hasn't been easy for them. Um, it's probably, it, has probably been, it has probably been the most challenging time of all for players to, to, to uh, keep themselves right mentally and physically. And the expectation was that when, when they would come back into camp, that they would have a very, very high level of fitness. So that put a lot of responsibility back on the players as well. And it meant that there had to be a lot of buy-in on their part. Um, I think they've, they've done that um, at both club and county level. You know, in the last couple of days, they were seeing the, the club teams coming back 
and uh, they're, they're, they're so enthusiastic for it and so mad to get out there. And now the next step is they want to be playing matches, you know, mm-hmm. so uh, roll on the matches too, because, um, you know, you, you can train for six months, uh, but you, you play one match and you'll find out how sore you are after, you know. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, on the same page, uh, sticking with the with the footballers, um, there's a, an interview with with Kevin Fahey. Um, Kevin had a great year last year and was probably one of the better players on the field, if not the best player on the field in that monster title. But he goes back to 2016 and how he played the league and then went travelling for the for the championship. But since he's come back, he, he hasn't missed a game since. He he really is a, a stalwart of that team now, a real important member, isn't he? Yeah, he's really driving it on there, you know, and and um, like you like you said that, that his performance in the Munster final last year on 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 you know a, a major stage for Tipperary was phenomenal, up and down the field, and and showed a real maturity for you know for a guy who hadn't played in 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 major games, you know, none of the Tip guys had really, I suppose, a few enough of them, but they, but they showed a real maturity on the field, and you know even when it came to uh, making the decision to to um, to come off. Because he was on, he was on the yellow card and had been warned and all that. Like that shows a real maturity um, in his thinking as well as in his play. But yeah, Kevin is a um, he's one of the driving forces of that team in lots of ways. You know, uh, Peter Peter Atchison had been regarded as being one of the main driving forces of the team for a long time, and Kevin kind of took on that role. You know, or has taken it on in recent times. Brian Fox would have been another one, of course. You know, but um, uh, Kevin has kind of taken on that role where. He gets a ball. He drives at a team. Um, Robbie Kiley would be another in a, in a similar similar kind of vein. Uh, Kevin has that knack of being able to get up the field and, and and nick a score too, which is great, you know. So you'd be hoping that um, uh, there'll be a good season ahead for Kevin as well and for the footballers. Yeah, and just in, in David Powers' interview, he, he talks about the league and we we have um, Wicklow at home and then Offaly and Limerick away. We're in we're in Limerick this weekend. It's always a tough place to go for us in football. We struggle against them. Even last year in the championship, we, we had that that game where Conor Sweeney needed the worldie to to level it. But like Limerick at the time, we're a Division Four team, and we are considering ourselves to be to be a higher up the, the pecking order. But they always give us lots of trouble, don't they, Limerick? They always do. They're they're they're, uh, they're a difficult team to beat. They've made themselves very difficult to beat, and they have a very forward thinking coach in Billy Lee as well. You know. They're they're a kind of um uh I suppose I suppose you know they regard them last year they're division four this year they're division three obviously and we would kind of hope to be regarding ourselves as a division two team so we're kind of keeping a little step ahead of them all the time but um uh, the year before last in the championship Limerick turned us over you know and seven and, or eight um, points I think wasn't it yeah they did like you know and and uh, uh to were struggling big time in last year's game as well down quite a few points at half time. And as you mentioned, that that score from Connor Sweeney, that that fantastic point from the, the sideline was incredible, you know, um, to to level it. Uh, we actually thought we'd won that game as well because there was another effort from from the far wing, which which everybody thought was gone over the bar and it, and it hadn't. So we went into extra time, but and we managed to get out of it in extra time, and the, the rest is history. Uh, Limerick were very disappointed after that game. Um, you know, they maybe would have seen themselves as going on. Uh, in the championship, and may, who knows, maybe they would have 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 uh, turned over Cork. 
but uh, they didn't get the chance. But they, they, they've been smarting since then, and they're, they're, they're might get a step at us now on Sunday or Saturday. I can tell you, you know. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, so page sixty of the of the paper has GA notes from from a couple of clubs around the county: Lockmore and Templeterre, Moneygall, Kilaran, and Nina. Um, and then just page fifty nine. Then we're looking at the Camogie. Uh, the Camogie yeah. girls, obviously, they're back out. There's been some. I suppose consternation over the last while with regards to the the formatting of their their championships and that um, yeah. there was talk maybe that their games weren't going to go ahead this weekend, but there seems to be a, a, a reprieve. So we play Cork. Cork are one of the top the top Camogie teams. We are looking. We were probably very disappointed not to being able to play that league last year, the league final last year, which would have been played up in 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 Crow Park. But we were knocked out at semi final stage. The girls, do they have the, the capability to go that one step further and get to the final, do you think? I think every year this team has improved over the last number of years. They've, they've come on a step or two. Uh, and looking at them last year in the in the, the semi or quarterfinal was down in Park Aquive, um, I you could kind of see that, that they lacked a little bit of physicality, you know, that they were a step or two. Uh, behind the other teams in, ter- in terms of uh, strength and conditioning. Uh, they've obviously been working on that over the, the course of the, the winter as well. And you'd hope that, th- that you know, that they will have um, improved in that sense. I'm sure they will. Can they, can they take the step on ahead? I think they can, you know. They've, they've, they have a couple of injuries uh, have cleared up now. Of course, Arla Dwyer is, is missing for them at the minute. And uh, Ashley Maloney is is opting for football, so that's there a couple of losses for them. But you know, I think Bill Mullaney will be probably happy enough that um, he's had a squad. He 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 now has one squad because they're they've separated the intermediates that are under the, the stewardship of of Keane Tracy now. And Bill Mullaney has had a panel of forty or, or thereabouts to work with. So you know that probably gives them a little bit of an edge as well in that, that all those girls would be driving on, driving each other on um, with the sole purpose of, of, of making that senior team rather than there being an eye on the intermediate team as well behind them, you know? So I think they can make that step with a little bit of luck and who knows what can happen, you know? Yeah. So we had three all-stars last year, Anya Slattery, Mary Ryan and Karen Kindy. Karen Kindy is really turning into a, a quality Camogie player. She she's a real star for the future, isn't she? She is. She's a star for the present, even you know. Mm. And and I suppose I suppose like um, she was unfortunate there a couple of seasons ago. She she tore her cruciate and it took her a while to to uh, get back. But I mean, she's a real athlete. Karen is a real athlete, and uh, uh, she's she has um, uh, you know good presence on the field. Uh, a, a, a lady with real hunger and desire as well. She wants to get on the ball all the time. And uh, Bill Milani and his management team probably have a little bit of a dilemma there. You know, do do they play her at, at centre back uh, where she won her All Star, or do they uh, leave her at centre field where she can be up and down the field and have uh, a far more far more of an influence on the game? You know, um, we'll get some kind of an indication as to their thinking when they name the team on on probably on Friday evening. You know. Um, I, I, I can see the dilemma. If you if you if you pick Karen at centre back, she has to sit there. If you if you play her at midfield, she can get up and down. She has the fitness to do that, and and um, uh, you know she's well able to get a score for you as well. And she she got a goal and a couple of points throughout last year's championship. And they're vital because you know Caught Devan has been the main score 
get her for that team, uh, really, you know. So uh, uh, assistance would be needed in the scoring stakes as well, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you mentioned Bill Mullaney is manager again this year. He brought in Angela Walsh and Dennis Kelly into that backroom mm. team. Um, two guys who, who have had so much experience and, and success in their in their management career so far. They'll, they'll be a big boost to that backroom team as well, won't they? They will. And, you know, uh, maybe Bill identified the need to uh, have guys who are, who are, who are specialists in, in strength and conditioning. And I'm, I'm speaking about Angelo there, I suppose, really. Yeah. Um, um, Dennis would have, would have vast experience of training teams as well and coaching teams. Um, but uh, like Angelo, the work that Angelo Walsh did with uh, Boris Lee um, when, they, when they won the county and Munster Club championships, and got to the All Ireland Club final as well. You know they they were in in peak physical condition, and uh, you'd hope that the, the same would be true of the Kamoki girls, and I've no doubt that it will. Um, you know you're bringing good guys onto the sideline, and and when you have that, you always have have um, a little bit of an advantage. The the girls will certainly uh, look up to these guys and respect them, and and that's all you want, you know. Yeah, um, we spoke about the intermediates there. The Camogie Association probably gets is, is, of late is getting a bit of stick, but it, it was great to see them bring back in the intermediates into playing this year, having missed out on 2020. We won the league um, in 2019, and we've seen some girls, Shauna Quirk, um, Andrea Lochnan, Claire Stapleton, Sarah Delaney, they made that step up. It's important to have a, a good quality intermediate team to put the pressure on that senior team, isn't it? Well, it's it's important from two points of view, I suppose. It's important that that uh, girls who aren't going to make the senior squad have a platform to show what they can do, uh, because you know uh, you know you could be playing with a club uh, that wouldn't be very prominent, um, and if you don't have a county platform to maybe you know hold your hand up so that Bill Milani can see what you're doing uh, with the intermediates, or that you know the somebody can say to him, God, you know you know. Um, Mary Dwyer played really well for the intermediates there. You should be having a look at her for the senior team or whatever, you know. Mm. Um, so that's important. But also then from the from the club perspective, uh, it gives players that incentive to, to, not that you shouldn't really need incentive, but to really uh, try and shine at club level so that you can get onto that intermediate panel if you're not making the senior panel. Use the intermediate panel as a stepping stone to getting onto the senior panel. I think that's what Keane Tracy will be doing as well. You know, a former former uh, minor manager he would have been looking at a lot of the girls that are that were that went through his hands back back in, in those days along with I think it was John Lillis was involved with him and they'd be trying to move those on uh, to, through the intermediate panel and, and on to the senior panel that, I mean, that's the ultimate aim of any um, uh, second string manager if you want to call him that is to progress your players so that they can develop and move on to, to uh, get into the, the senior panel you know yeah, absolutely. So the the GA coverage in the snare is rounded out. If you're like me, you read it from the from the back to the to the front. Um, is rounded out with the with the Tipperary GA scene from from Tipperary PRO, Jonathan Cullen. There's lots of information in that. Uh, Noel Dundon, it was a pleasure to have you on the Premier View. Thanks very much for your local paper review. Delighted. Thank you very much. It's Merchmonster.ie. Okay, so looking ahead to next weekend, uh, our old rivals Cork come to the stadium on. Saturday evening at half seven, we're delighted to be joined on the Premier View by Jamie Wall. Very welcome, Jamie. Uh, just, uh, thanks thanks for having me, lads, yeah. yeah. So, Jamie, look, uh, before we go on to the tip game, uh, Cork put up a great score, 5-22 against Waterford last weekend. Were Cork very good or did Waterford fall apart in, in the last five minutes? 
Um, yeah, I think Cork were good, in fairness. They were good for most of the game, from what I saw. Um, I was doing the sideline analysis for TG Carr, so I had a nice up-close and personal view of it. Maybe I was a little bit too close to see it, you know, in, in the in the grand scheme of things. I could only see what was directly in front of me. But um, they did look impressive, yeah. I think the scoreline, I think even, look, even Cork, uh, management and Cork players and Cork people would say the score I've probably flattered Cork a small bit um, there was just that five minute spell where you know Watford kind of collapsed a small bit and conceded um, <clears throat> conceded three goals in, in a matter of moment, in a matter of minutes like and um, like I mean right before that Kingston goal I think it was there was two points in it I think at one point like so I think that's probably a fair reflection of the pattern of the game but that being said Cork and Cork did lead for the whole game and they probably were the better team for the whole game. Um, but I don't think the gap is as uh, is as wide or even that there might be even be there might not even be a gap between Cork and Watford in that in that direction. Um I think, you know, there was a, a massive degree of first day out for everyone. You saw that over the whole weekend, and you know, there was a lot of shadow boxing, a lot of kind of, you know, uh things like that going on. From a Cork perspective, one big positive I think was uh the subs that were made just as Cork were wilting. Um, you know, they their work rate in the forward line was very, very good. And then they looked visibly tired as Watford kind of made that bit of a comeback. And then they brought on Shane Kingston, Alan Connolly, uh, who both had huge impacts, uh, Alan Cadigan as well. So, you know, I think the impact off the bench was something that'll be very important to Cork. I think, you know, like in terms of, uh, look, I don't think any manager really gives too much of a damn about the results right now. I think if you look at what the Cork need to build based on last year versus Limerick, what does everyone need to build? They need to build a panel, you know, um, especially if you're going to be in a championship that's going to be run off a small bit quicker. Um, so I think that's something that Cork would be quite happy with, that they're they're moving towards that little bit more depth. Um, and obviously, you know, um, but yeah, look, like so it's in a roundabout way, I don't think the gap, I don't think the gap was uh, was a fair reflection. I think uh, I think it was just a case of first day out, and you know, a couple of things went quite well for Cork, especially at that pivotal moment. Yeah, Waterford they scored one twenty seven, which was what the third highest score of the weekend. I mean, it would have won most games. Is that a cause of some bit of concern for Cork, or is that was that just the way the game went that that they, they were able to get those scores? It would win you most games, wouldn't it? Um, it probably would. Uh, I suppose it probably must be a concern for Cork. I think what it does show is it probably it probably highlights the we'll say the big failing that Cork probably have is that like you know they're going to score a lot, but unfortunately they're going to they have been conceding a lot, you know, in a lot of years. And when Cork play, uh, especially down in Parky Cueve, it tends to be very open. I think uh, there was a Cork tip game last year. I think it was the league. It was it. I I thought it was crap. To be honest, which I know it was a real high-scoring game, um, and people were blowing about the scoring, but I just thought I just thought like, oh Christ Almighty, like there's nothing to this. It's just a game of basketball, like, um, and I think that's been the case with Cork for a while. Um, you know, they'll they'll go touch to touch in that shootout kind of job, um, so like that probably is a concern for Cork going forward, um, but I suppose that being said, you know, like when you're in management, you can only try and fix one problem at a time, and I suppose. Um, maybe the priority, you know, for the first couple of weeks was maybe sorting out Cork's running game, which seemed to be very much to the point of, you know, occasionally they made mistakes, but they went at it again over the weekend, and that's a good sign. And that, you know, that guy, if guys are trying to learn a way of playing, or certainly a variety to their play, 
that you know they keep trying to do it. Maybe that was the priority this weekend. The support play aspect. Maybe getting goals was the priority this weekend. You know, which they obviously did. Um, you know, and I suppose that's why you've got an entire league to try and iron out all the kinks. You're not going to fix them all the first day out. Um, but yeah, I suppose it has to be a concern for them, and I'm sure it will be. But uh, equally, that being said, like uh, I, won't, I wouldn't be coming down too hard on any management um, for not fixing all their woes in the first weekend, especially given they've only had three weeks training. Yeah. Um, a couple of players uh, stood out, I suppose, for, from the Cork perspective. Dara Fitzgibbon, who, who we're all very aware of. He, he was a cracking game in the middle of the field. But two were probably of the younger guys. Che, Alan Connolly, who I believe has Cashman blood in him. So I think he, he's obviously a guy that's, that's well able to hurl. But Shane Barrett, I found, was very impressive at the weekend. Um, he, he's one to look forward to seeing more of. Yeah, I think I was, to- I was actually told it worked if... Uh, on Tuesday there I think Connolly it's Connolly's mum is, is a cashman um, so I'm sure yeah there's good, good breeding there as they say um, no listen Alan has been has been very impressive the last couple of years it's only two 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 years ago that he was playing for Blackrock's second team as a young fella um, playing intermediate championship against our own lads at home and um, you know was very very impressive there and it was has gone from strength to strength was excellent for Blackrock in the county championship last year and has rightly gotten his goal on the back of that and the under and good performances for the under twenties, you know. So um, I suppose that's a that's a good sign for Cork that they're you know that these things are being taken heed of and are being acted on, and then that he's also you know going delivering on, on that. Um, and uh, Shane Barrett obviously look like everyone in Cork is well aware of Shane Barrett for the last number of years. He was a very impressive young player, very impressive with CBC um, in the school in the Harty. Um, and you know he he will he will be a big player. It's funny though, like I think impressive and all as he was, like there's every chance that he may not actually start um, the next day, you know, um, because you know you're looking at the, the likes of Shane Kingston and Alan Connolly who did so well. Um, but I think it's a great problem for Cork to have. I think in, in years gone by there was a little bit too much dependence on Patrick Corgan and on Alan Cadigan. We'll say, and if the two boys weren't scoring, then Cork were at nothing. Like and um, if they can lift that scoring burden a small bit off Hoggy um, to let him just play his own game and not feel like he has to score 3-7 or 3-8 every day he goes out then that can only be a good thing um, so yeah no, a couple of young performers were, were very impressive for Cork and uh, you know like that bodes well for them going forward because you know obviously Tippy Cork in those two under 20 in the under 21 and under 20 finals two years in a row but I think when you're looking at developments of teams and that what's more important is that you're you're getting those four or five games in the championship and then who wins and loses the All-Ireland final itself is just nice for the players involved in terms of to have their medal or to not. But in terms of as an overall development point of view, you know, um, the players are clearly there, you know, same same as, you know, like, no more than in tip, I suppose, you know, it's just uh, when, when the lads are getting that exposure at that age, it's great. So, um, you know, hopefully they'll be able to, to bring through a few more of them lads as well. Yeah, so looking forward to Saturday evening, Cork are coming to Torlis, as we said. Um, I suppose we, we played Limerick last weekend, a different type of team. What what should we expect from Cork this weekend without giving away the game plan, if you know it? But, um, like, I suppose Limerick are not a goal-scoring team, whereas Cork look like they have that knack of scoring goals. Is that something that we should be wary of um, Saturday night? Look, I certainly haven't been given the game plan. I don't think I will be, but um, I know. It's, look, to be honest with you, I, I think I'd be spoofing if I was if I tried to come down very, uh, very def, very definitively hard and fast on what to expect on Saturday. I mean, like you could see wholesale changes again on Saturday. Like I think, uh, you know, you've got a six-day turnaround. You've got guys who've only got three weeks collective training, and um, you know, 
with amateur athletes, which is what ultimately they are as elite and all as they are. I think, you know, every management team is going to have to, you know, use their squad over the course of the league because um, I think the most important thing, like like I, I mentioned on TG Cahar, um Sunday, that I think the real winners in the league are going to be whatever management team can kind of develop their style, get their players through without getting injured. Um, and, you know, maybe pick up a few learnings along the way. But, like, I certainly... I don't think the results are going to be the be-all and end-all. So it's very hard to say, um, you know, what to expect from Cork on on Saturday. I think, look, anyone watching the game the last day will see that there's a, there's definitely been a renewed emphasis on on support play in the running game. Um, I think that was that was pretty plain for all to see. I don't think I'm giving away any state secrets there. Um, so I think that's probably something to, to see, you know, do Cork double down on that is that you know something that they're going to try and develop as part of a wider game plan and more varied game plan um, and and kind of where they go from there but equally you know no more than Tip and Limerick played last weekend and you know I think Limerick had a, had a team on the bench that would challenge for an All-Ireland and, and Tip had similar you know four or five very big players not playing they could all be playing this weekend. You could have three or four of them Cork players. This could be the weekend where they where they don't feature. So very it's very, very hard to say this early on. And especially, especially this year, given that, you know, any management team that is worth their salt and certainly any strength and conditioning and, and physio and medical team are gonna be, you know, they're gonna be monitoring what guys do and they're gonna be rotating it and they're gonna be kind of, you know, trying to get the most out of the league and cause the least damage to their players. So um to be honest, to say with any degree of certainty what to expect, I'd be kind of, I think I'd be bluffing. So yeah. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do that. We, we talking we have... about um, damage to, to 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 players. How much of a loss do you think Brian O'Mara is to to Tipperary? Have you come across him in the Fitzgibbon? Yeah, big time. Yeah, Brian was very impressive for you last year. Um, in his in his in in his first year playing Fitzgibbon as well. Like he was only a second year last year playing. Um, and he was very, very impressive for the tip twenties at centre back. Um, I think, I think you know, like it's like that. Look, like at the death risk of repeating myself. I think the biggest loss for tip with Brian is, um, you know, that you're probably missing out on getting a chance to develop the player that would have been the most promising to add into a half back line. Um, do you know, I think it, the tip back line probably needs one or two, maybe thrown in. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be just for throwing fellas into the deep end, but certainly. Um, they might need a small bit of freshening up. I, I don't think they're. I don't think they need like they don't need flipping wholesale changes or anything like that. But you know, I think uh, always a body or two going in. You know, I think you saw with Kenny's team that won the four in a row. Like you know, there was always one or two bodies going in. So so by the end of the cycle of four in a row, there might be six or seven different players. But every year to year, it might only be two. So I think that's the biggest loss really for Tip is, for my money, Brian was probably the one that you'd say, yeah, he'd be a nice little addition to that team at six or seven um, depending on the matchups on a given day and getting to test him out and give getting to give him senior games um, would have been a big benefit to tip I mean realistically you know even if it's only a six or seven week injury then it's hard to see how he'd end up in the white heat of championship you know without uh, without that league campaign so I think that's that's the real loss of Brian is that you're losing out on, on getting to see is he the man to, to kind of just freshen things up a small bit? But, um, you know, so I suppose that that's probably how big a loss he is. But again, like, look, I mean, that's that's the kind of injury that the contact injuries are the kind of things that, you know, all the wrestling in the world and all the rotations in the world, you can't help. They're just, unfortunately, a part and parcel of the game. And obviously, hopefully, Brian makes a quick recovery. 
I was going to say, speaking of another Brian thrown into, well, a fairly new face thrown into the tip defence was, was Brian McGrath. But there seems to be a, still a little bit of confusion over where is best to play him. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, look, I probably probably be the same with everyone else, uh, Marissa, and that I probably don't know where Brian's best position is either. You know, um, I think what Brian does very very well, he does really well in terms of he's very strong under dropping ball, and he's very smart under as well. You know, uh, he's not he's not massive massive tall, but he's very good at dealing with fellas who you know you think would be stronger than him in the air, and um, so that's probably his what you might call his biggest strength, I suppose. You know, again, I think then. You know, on the turn, it just remains to be seen whether intercounty level, whether he's whether he's quick quick enough for it or not. I, I wouldn't. I don't. You know, I'd always be wary of making any judgments, um, on those things from the outside because you know you, you never really know. I think it was uh, Man United there two three years ago. Lukaku put up their running stats where he was like the fastest over a certain amount of time, and everyone was there calling him slow. So, um, I think when you're on the outside, you're not really in a position to to be massively critical, but uh. But I suppose it does, you know, that 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 question of position is probably the, the big question with Brian. Like, like, is he going to be central? Is he going to be on the wing? And can he can he get a run of games in one of those positions to stake a claim? You know, and I suppose that's for, for Liam Sheedy and the lads to, to kind of make their call on. Yeah, we had um, we had Lauren Gilfoyle on there a couple of weeks ago and she spoke about rotation of players and, and, and how we... Like teams are going to have to be managed the workload of the players, as you've already spoken about. Is there any new players within the Cork panel that we haven't seen yet that that are worth a worth a shout? In your opinion? Yeah, there's one lad. Uh, you might have seen him under twenty last year. His name is Kieran Joyce. Um, he's from Castle Martyr. He's uh, to me, you know, he he's the next big thing in Cork. Like without trying to um, blow him up too much I think he's just fantastic I think he's an excellent player but we won't see him for the league unfortunately as he's only doing his leaving cert so that'll tell you how young he is he's only a kid but um, he's probably the he's probably just the one like when you say it I can't think of any other name off the top of my head he's the one that really jumps out um, you know um, looking at the looking at the the under 20s last year I mean two guys that I would like to see at some point over the next couple of years if not you know not necessarily this year are uh, Colin O'Brien and uh, Brian Hayes but I'm not sure if Hayes might be playing football or not but they're kind of the kind of player I think that Cork could do with that bring a bit of size and strength and power to that forward line I mean you look at kind of the way Hurling is going um, you do you know look at probably two of the most effective players in the All-Ireland Championship last year were Gerald Hegarty and Tom Morrissey so um, you know so like a, that kind of balance to your forward line is very important but um, no look like you know like like I said no um, if I was put if there was a gun to my head I'd have to pick uh, pick Kieran Joyce I just think he's um, I think he's he had an exceptional year last year at club level um, it's only intermediate hurling but um, he was an 18 year old playing adult hurling at centre back and he was dominant at the, at the grade and probably the dominant player in the grade um, which is which is a great mark of a young fella you know uh, it's not just at underage hurling that he can do it um, and then at under 20 he was really really good at centre back again you know it was only his first year out of minor so like you know being an under 18 playing centre back and under 20 team is quite impressive uh, and he was very impressive in that team that got to the other in the final so um, he'd be the one to watch for me Um, be nice to see how he gets on over the summer They'll have the under twenty final in July, and you know, hopefully, uh, after the leaving sort, he might get, uh, might get a bit of a run, and maybe might threaten the team. Who knows? It might just be a year for him to, to learn the ropes as well, though. But uh, I think certainly going forward, he's going to be a big player for Cork. Very good. Uh, Sunday night, 
Don Logue was on um, the Sunday game, or he said that uh, Cork can win the All Ireland. Is that uh, is that a statement you 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 can agree with? Have you that confidence that Don Logue has? Uh, I, I don't know. Um, I I didn't see that. No, um, I was. Uh, I think I was watching. I was watching reruns of the wire. No, I, I had my fill. I had had my fill of GA on, on Sunday. I was inside in Parker Beach since half eight in the morning. Um, so when I got home, now it was reruns of the wire, and um, I leave. I've seen enough hurling over the weekend. Uh, look, I, I I don't know. I don't know if Cork can win the Ireland this year. I think. Um, look, it's like anything. There are players there. Obviously, um, they have had talent over the last number of years at this given level at UCC um, at under 20 and under 21 level like we said you know like this is their third under 20 final in a row or well you know it's at under 21 under 20 and under 20 so like that's a that's a nice barometer of calibre of players coming I would probably say it could be another year or two um, personally I find it quite hard to look too far beyond Limerick Um for the next year anyway um, it's just hard to see where where someone's going to be able to shut down everything they have you know um, they, they just they have it from every angle at the moment they just seem a small bit ahead of the chasing pack now invariably you know they'd probably come back a small bit over the course of the next two or three years um, I don't think that anyone is that far away from them that they're going to do what Kenny did you know um, but I do think they are probably just a small bit ahead of everyone at the moment I think this year is probably a bit soon for Cork um, but you never know like there's you know the kind of championship that you know that it's going to be it you know you, you, you kind of you're not in a, you like look at the start of 2013 I wouldn't I would have laughed at you if you said Cork could win in All-Ireland and they were 20 seconds away from doing it you know so like the, the, the way that the GA can go especially with the more knockout nature of it this year who knows but I would probably be I think I think if that was the phrase that was used that Cork could win in All-Ireland I uh, I think yeah, fair enough. You could agree with that because that's not. It doesn't really. That's not really. Uh, that's not pinning your colours over it to the mast. I think realistically, there are six teams probably think they could win in All Ireland. You know, um, but ultimately, uh, if I was going into Paddy Powers or anywhere like that in the morning, I'd probably keep my money in my pocket before I bet on anyone else. Really, to be honest, other than the lads in Limerick at the moment. Yeah. So, so obviously, Cork have Limerick in the fourth round or the semi-final of Munster. Mm. Was that the worst possible draw? Do you think, or is it good to try and get Limerick? I suppose it first day out, and and you and you invariably have given them a lot of trouble over the the last two or three years. Yeah, it's funny. Cork have matched up quite well to Limerick over the last couple of years, and um, I've tried to put my finger on it. Sometimes I think maybe it's just the fact that Cork have an awful lot of pace, um, you know, which means that you know when they play Limerick in Parky Creeve or in the Gaelic Grounds, which are big wide open pitches or else Croke Park that they match up okay to them you know they don't get athletically athletically they don't get ran over anyway now physically they may be another story because I think Limerick are gone even even since 2018 I think Limerick have gone to another level physically so that one remains to be seen um, you know look you could say it's the worst possible draw they are the best in my opinion they're the best team in Ireland right now pound for pound uh, I don't think that's insulting anyone to say Um but then you could say it's the best possible draw because you know even if they beat you, you probably you probably learn a lot from that and you're not knocked out. You know you go into the qualifiers and you probably don't meet them again to the quarter final or maybe even a, a semi final. You know, yeah. um, so or, well you know if they win you you won't meet them to the semi final. Uh, worst case scenario, like so I suppose look there you know you're you're going to frame it whatever way you want. Obviously Cork are going to fancy themselves to go and win that game. They wouldn't be Cork hurlers if they didn't. Um, you know, so um. 
but yeah, look, like it's a tough draw, but you know, Jesus, like that being said, like uh, there's not really too many soft draws, uh, you know, in it at the moment. You know, there's only there's only the the ten or twelve teams kind of there, and like you know, like if you get any of them, like on the first, if you get any of that first eight, realistically, you're going to have a a tough day out. So I uh, I would I wouldn't put um I wouldn't say it's a worst possible draw by any means. I think fair if fair enough if it was like the football championship and it was straight knockout, I'd probably I'd probably say it was the worst possible draw. But uh no, I think look like if they if they if they win it, they'll take an awful lot from that. If they lose it, I think they could take an awful lot from that and you wouldn't know it, you know, like um it wouldn't be the first time a team was beaten in the first round and went on to win an all Ireland, you know. 2010. <laughs> yes, uh, that was what I was thinking. Yeah, when uh, when Cork when Cork won you the All Ireland by playing yeah. Isaacy in full forward line. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so look, you you spoke about I suppose difference in styles um, when talking about Cork and Limerick. But Limerick obviously are the standard bears and they are that that big physical team. Is that what teams should look to replicate, or should Cork and and Tip I suppose stay going the way they are going in in, in their style of play? Um, a little from column A, a little from column B. Like I think um, you certainly have to match them in certain elements, and if you don't, you're going to be beaten. But by the same token, there's there's ten years work got into Limerick being the way they are, you know, in terms of physically. Um, so if you're trying to match them, no, like it's not actually at senior level. You need to start trying to match them. It's at it's at you know, it's at academy level. It's at minor. It's at twenty ones. It's those kind of structures. Um, in the short term, um. You know, in term, in the short term, like like I think to be honest, not not even in the short term. I think you are better stylistically, you know, not going trying to ape anyone. But you know, you obviously have to. That being said, you have to take elements of their game, um, and and just to and be kind of conscious of that. And you know, certain things they do are best practice, and best practice is best practice. But like you know, when Kilkenny were winning All Ireland's hand over fist, they were winning them with a certain style. And you know, if Cork or Tip tried to go for that you know that kind of style they'd have just been destroyed by Kenny at playing it you know they had to figure out a different way for Cork for two or three years it was the run game um, that beat Kenny for two or three years before that Kenny team got to grips with it um, for Tip I, I'd probably call it more of a kind of a mid-range game in terms of their stick work they kind of you know they tend to use the ball 40-50 yards rather than you know not 10-15 yards but equally not 70-80 yards you know mm-hmm. um, well with some exceptions some lads are out up the shoulders and, and and let it rip but um you know like I think I think you know a lot of counties tend to have their style that seems to work for them and I think there there's a very good reason why that tends to be identified as their style and I think it's more about you know on the physical side of things you just you do have to probably get up to speed to at the very least whether or not you beat them physically like you have to be able to kind of you know at the very least try and not get beaten by it you know and then uh, but like I mean like all of this, like we're talking about the physical side of Limerick and that, like, but I mean, like they played the best hurling the last two years as well, you know, and if they want to play the ball in tight spaces, they played in tight spaces. Um, they've probably got the most varied game in that, like they run the ball a lot, but then very often Dermot Burns just plants one from his own 45 on top of Aaron Galan on the edge of the square, like, and it's a goal. Um, you know, funny enough, that being said, I think that was probably you know, a huge thing that the game was missing on Saturday between Limerick and Tip. Um, I think the out ball of Galan was probably a, a big uh, hindrance to Limerick in that game against Tip because it took the, that variety out of their game. You know, it meant that Tip could just go man on man for a finish. Like, whereas 
in, you know, we'll say last year, like, or in other years, like when Galant plonks himself on the edge of the square and you're trying to deal with that, you're like, right, if I go one-on-one there what and try to match up with Limerick while they run the ball, if Dimer Burns land, lands a one-on, you know, like Burns loves that ball to the far side to Galant, like you saw it four or five times last year, and invariably... Like if he gets three, he'll catch one, and that's a goal, you know. Um, and like that, it's that that for he brings that variety to Limerick's game. So, um, I think you know, we can talk about their physicality and all those things, and and that is all fine. But at the moment, they have the most varied game. Um, it's it's the hardest game to put a definitive style on, you know, when they do run the ball, like they have elements of that. They do play short. They do take points from distance, but they also have that threat, you know, for a long ball when Gillan and Core are playing like so. Um. Yeah. No. Look. I, I. I. probably would say that you're at nothing trying to totally ape their style. Um. It's their style. It's what you know. That's their best. That. Um. I think the best chance you have really is to, to you know, to develop. Control, yeah. To develop. To develop your style to the point where they have to kind of deal with you. You know, because they at the moment they play the game on their terms, and if you try to play the game on their terms, you'll be beaten. Um, you know, so so I think that's the that's the kind of no, it's easier said than done. I'm glad I'm not trying to do it for, for anyone at the moment. Absolutely. Just before we finish up, Jamie, um, you're obviously intrinsically involved in in Fitzgibbon Cup and and have a great knowledge of that. How important do you think that Fitzgibbon is in the development of hurlers? I suppose now, especially with the 21 gone back to 20. Yeah, massive. To be honest, like with that and with the physicality of the game now, I think having that little extra step. Um, for guys on the ladder is is huge. Like, and obviously, look, like I'm obviously going to say that. Like, you know, you don't see turkeys voting for Christmas. Like, but by the same token, you know, there's a lot of like, you know, there's occasionally players that'll make the step at 2021. 20, that's fine, but there's a lot more need another year or two to 22, 23. Um, you know, and the Fitzgibbon Cup is a nice blend of, you know, the under 20s can be, the under 20s can be very nice hurling. It can be very naive hurling. Um, there can be, you know, the ball is flying around usually in the middle of the summer, um, and it's a very quick game. And um, the Fitzgibbon is probably the opposite of that. It's a far more physical game. You know, there's a lot more in terms of the physicality. But you know, if you watch hurling in the last four or five years at senior to county level, it needs to be a bit of both. You know, so I think that extra step on on the learning ladder is very useful to to a lot of players, and it helps them make that step. Um, and like you said, especially with the with the under twenty one grade going to under twenty, you know, like uh, there is nothing quite like, um, there's nothing quite like an extra twelve months or twenty four months for you know, for no matter all the gym work you can do for a guy to grow into his, himself and his physicality and that. And uh, I think the Fitzgibbon provides a, a really nice in between platform for guys and um, to make that step up. So yeah, look, obviously I'm going to say that I'm really hopeful it will be back next year. Um. But that being said, as well, like look, Jesus, like the more important thing is that people are healthy and safe and all that. And um, if we can get that stuff all sorted, then you know it'll be great to have it back. Please God, around next February and roll on a few battles with Carol inside in the mud or UL or whoever whoever we draw. Yeah, Jamie Wall, it was a pleasure to have you on the Premier View. We hope you go home uh, disappointed on Saturday evening anyway. But uh, look, we'll have we'll have our battles again in in the future. Thanks again. It's Merchmonster.ie. So, Sean Smith from Turles Harrisville joins us there now as we have a look forward to Tip at the weekend. Um, Sean, Tip, uh, Drew, obviously, with Limerick last weekend, you were on the review show. Uh, what, what are you expecting for Tip this weekend? Um, I'm hoping to kind of bring the same kind of good game plan, to be honest, the same kind of intensity to it again. 
But then, again, I'll be hoping for a few new lads in the forwards maybe to see can they come in and create a few more scoring chances. But Brian Amaris obviously is out and like one or two more changes. No, there will be a few rotations. But the same kind of like, attitude I think was good. Um, intensity was good, you know, um, some direct hurling and stuff. But the other end of the field, the scoring side is probably where it's lacking. But, you know, there was there is something to start on, which is very promising to fair. And Cork will, what we saw from Cork and Waterford, they're going to run at you. So, and if our backs can hold up like they did against Limerick, they won't get yeah. through. To be honest, it's easy. Yeah, just mentioning uh, Brian O'Mara there, Marissa. You were asking Jamie Wall about about Brian, and he obviously has has great time for him. But he he was looking like somebody that was certainly going to push towards a a certain fifteen or certainly the the match day twenty six. But who who do you think will will come in instead of him at, at this stage? It's 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 hard to know what they're going to risk at this stage so early into the league when so many games back to back and then you're heading straight into championship. It, it's hard to know who to risk at this stage, uh, especially when you're coming up against a physical side like Cork. Uh, I thought Seamus Kennedy did really well the last day um, as well. So it's hard to know how to switch around that defence and who do you introduce back in? Do you bring back in Park Maher to start this early? I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Um, I'd prefer to stick with some of the young fellas, give them a chance first, and, and we'll see where we go from there. Yeah. Um, Craig Morgan is obviously another one, and, and Paddy Cadell, who, who can play in the half-back line, uh, they, they would be good good additions too. But uh, Sean, I was saying to, to Jamie there that Tip kind of picked the horses for courses team uh, last weekend with, with four very much work, work horses in the forward line. Do you think we'll see a change? Due to the style that Cork play this weekend, we might have more scoring forwards. We might see a glimpse of John McGrath, maybe Bubbles with his newfound shape might be might be in the starting fifteen. Yeah, for sure. Like against Limerick, our thing was to stop their half back line dominating, and we did that. Like with the half forward line picked, but Cork, that's not exactly a prominent line in the field. So as you said, I'd like to see a kind of Bubbles in, and the show he's made of John McGrath as well. But then again, like there's no point dropping lads either. This year to give him another go and start like, because no, at the end of the day, like what was in the John McGrath, like if they find a farm like they always have, there's no reason why come knock with her and they won't be starting. Yeah, uh, Marissa Jake Morris was was obviously started last weekend. I'd like to see him probably play again, even though he's probably he, he's probably considered a, a starter now, but he probably needs to find a bit of form. He he was he he missed a goal chance, well I suppose a half half a chance there. And, in the game in the, the game against Limerick, but Morris is a, a person that probably needs game time, doesn't he, to to um, to build build a bit of form, build a bit of confidence. Yeah, absolutely. I think confidence is the key word there. He had so much of it at the end of 2019, uh, and it probably you know lost that a bit because of the break in 2020. Understandably, we we can see what he does. He has his eye on goal the whole time. Probably just mishit it straight at the goalkeeper. The last day, not too much of a, a trouble for for Nicky Quaid, but you know we we know what he brings, uh, and as you say, he is a starter now. I expect him to stay there. Probably need, you know, scoring wasn't great the last day, as we've already touched upon some not so clever shot choices, probably from far out. But someone like Jake Morris, he's really our he was our only goal threat the last day, and that's something we need to keep against Cork. Yeah. Uh, in the middle of the field, Sean, um, Michael Breen, he, I think he spoke about him in the review show that 
it's so he's so inconsistent, I suppose, and and that's something that that he needs to work in work on. So do, do you leave him there and and like I suppose Jake hope that he comes into a bit of form or how long can we stay looking at him not knowing what he's going to give you from one day to the next? And kind of similar to Jake there, like, you wouldn't just get rid of him. No point in dropping this game. Like he is has it. Like as we said earlier about Jake, he's our threat. Like Breen going forward can be a huge threat. He can get four or five points and the goal is good for him. But then there's likes of Paddy Cannon leaves us biting at the bit to be honest to get in and get around that half back to midfield as well. Um, so there is like competition going to be there. So I definitely I'd be starting again and against Cork because especially against Cork, if Breen run that and there'll be space will open up Limerick half back line which won't be as strong as any of the car half back line so the space could be there for Breen Yeah uh, another new man that was in last weekend was the goalkeeper um, Barry Hogan from Kildangan. Um your own club mate Marissa Brian Hogan are, are we going to see him do you think um, or what way will, will do you think Sheedy will manage the goalkeeping situation he obviously wants Barry Hogan to get some time but at the same time doesn't want Brian to be going into championship without any minutes under his belt either. I think like the rest of the lads, there's no point in, in, in dropping Barry at the moment. You know, he had a really, really good campaign with Kildangan. We know what he's capable of. He just needs that inter-county time. I've seen him at Fitzgibbon level as well. You know, he has a little bit of experience under his belt. Uh, I thought he was, I thought he had a really decent, uh, decent game the last day. Um, we know what he can do. Brian, you know what you're going to get with Brian Hogan at the moment. So I think you might as well keep someone like Barry in for the start of the league where you have more of a chance to, to play around with. Look, this this league isn't going to be the be-all and end-all. There's no overall winner. There's no knockout stage. So it's about we need a number two to, to Brian at this stage and, and uh, Barry needs that time to establish himself in that role. Yeah. Uh, Jamie Wall was telling us, Sean, about... Um... The, the subs that Cork brought on to finish off the game and, and they really they really added a bit of, of impetus to, to their game. They'll probably employ the same tactic again this weekend. Are we going to have to see the likes of Paddy, Noel, John, if they don't start coming on to to stem the tide maybe um, this weekend or or should Liam, knowing what, what he, those guys are going to give you, just give them the week off again? Hard to know, like Waterford were kind of on the ropes, there were six, seven points in it. Cork on him lads, and it was a killer punch. It was just they ran clean through him, we know. Um I can't to be honest, I can't see Cork getting that six or seven points ahead of us, to be honest. And what we've seen last Saturday night, defensively wise are strong, but I'd like to be seen as getting up around the 25, 26 point mark and doubling our score from player for sure, which is the main thing. But I be I wouldn't be bringing on the artillery on it, Cork no, like them lads. You know what you're getting with them, like, to be honest. There's no unless they have to, unless my start. I feel you might start Parik, to be honest. I kind of have a maybe no, but Parik, I think, might start. To be honest. That's what do you know, Smith? What do you know? Not a lot. <laughs> <laughs> He's a man that Parik's not a man that's missed two games in a row since I don't know when. <laughs> yeah, so I'd um, so obviously the, the team is going to be named on, on Friday night and again there'll be a lot of speculation um, until that, that time comes and um, the game throws in at half seven on, on Saturday evening in the stadium so hopefully we'll, we'll get to two points. Also on Saturday Marissa, the Camogie are out against Cork too um, 
we've been we've been very close to it. Uh, had it, we were in a national league final last year that didn't get played. We were in the semi final of, of the the championship last year as well. So Cork is going to be a big test for for the girls. We have three three all stars after last year, uh, but but a tough a tough group with with Waterford as well. But Cork will be one that they they'll try, want to try and get two points in to start the year. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's going to be a, a really exciting year for, for Bill Mullally's side, just based on what we saw last year. Um, you know, as you said, they are qualified for the league final with wins over Dublin, Limerick and, and Galway, who eventually went on to win the championship, as we know. Uh, and then, you know, it was good to see when they came back for a championship that they carried that form in. There wasn't a major drop off and they had some really tough games, including one against Waterford. And it was great to see them being able to grind out that quarterfinal win. So as you say, tough group, really tough place to start against Cork. It's hard to know where they are. Uh, they lost Gemma O'Connor uh, to retirement, who's, uh, but they still have a lot of artillery fire up front. So it's going to be a difficult challenge, especially heading down to Parky Cueve. But uh, it'll be a really good test to see where they are on the back of 2020. And hopefully they'll have gotten a lot of confidence from last season yeah so we're going into that game without Orla Dwyer and um, Ashley Maloney I believe who, who was just committed to football I think this this year um, Orla obviously is is still on the back of her, her celebrating her, her great win down in, in Australia and I don't think it's home yet um, but she, she'll be a huge loss obviously she's a, she's a complete athlete um, but uh, hopefully she'll be back for the championship yeah, Orla brings a massive amount of physicality uh, from from the football, from the professional setup as well. So she will be a huge loss, but uh, you know, tip of, of plenty more fire in them as well. And um, so there's no better way to to test yourself than against a team like Cork. So we'll see where they stand. Yeah, uh, Sean, one of your own clubmates. I was talking to Noel Dundon earlier on, and we were talking about Karen Kindy. She she's absolutely brilliant um, this year. Uh, or, or last year, and, and looks to be one of, tip, if not Tip's best player at the moment. Uh, centre-back or midfield, what, what would you consider to be her best position? I think centre-back, on it from Karen, to be honest, she'd make, when you make our senior team over the male team, to be honest, she's a complete athlete, to be honest. She wanted to, you know, saying, like, round on it. Um, so I'd have her centre-back and build the team around it, to be honest. It's, I know I'm kind of biased here, but it's <laughs> very we have ones like that, that good, to be honest. So we have enjoy them while we have them. Yeah, um, very good. So look, that that game throws in at two o'clock on on Saturday, and hopefully they will do the double over Cork at the weekend. It's Merchmonster.ie. Well, that's all we have time for this week on the Premier View Tipperary GA podcast. Thanks again to our guests Anthony Shelley, Noel Dundon, and Jamie Wall, as well as our own Sean Smith and Mercy Kennedy. We're going to play you out with our own Marky Ryan's version of the Galtry Mountain Boy, which we might just make as our new intro. <laughs>
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.